We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Rotovids College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Funlico, joined today, as always, by Jordan and Matthew. Gentlemen, here we are, yet another week of games to talk about. Uh, Jordan, how, how, how are you feeling about this upcoming week? You feel you feel pretty pretty positive, confident, and optimistic? Uh, well, I know that the headliner games that we're going to talk about uh, that we do every week and we put picks out on the the games that most people are going to watch, I have gone back and forth on just about every single one of them, to be honest, uh, during the week. So I've landed, I've landed, and I'm making my peace with it, and I'm interested to see how my thoughts and my picks line up with uh, you guys who have been on quite a roll with your locks while I am just, you know, keeping my head above water. So I'm, I'm interested to see where, where we line up, where we differ, and uh, yeah, ready to get going. Yeah, good stuff. How about you, Matt? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, it's uh, it's a big week for Ohio State, which means I'm locked in. Um, and I mean, it's a week where Michigan might lose a game, so that is always a good week for me. <laughs> I uh, I was at my kid's school today volunteering for a little bit, and my son's teacher was wearing a University of Michigan shirt. That said, hail, and I, I just wanted to walk up and give him a hug and tell him I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, but I, I refrained, I refrained. But I didn't give giving that, him a like, link oh. to the pod. I know, I know that. Then all of a sudden, my my son would be struggling in class, and I'd have to figure out. Well, I'd know why, but <laughs> it would maybe not be the best the best case scenario. I have a question for you, a random question, Jordan. We're going to start with you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Only Is... one. Oh, yeah. time traveling. That's a superpower, right? 
time traveling. Sure, sure. Well, would you want to go forward? Oh, would you want to go forward or backwards? Well, the way that I see the the future panning out, I don't think I want to go forward. So. Uh, <laughs> probably go backwards it, and I don't even know if I have a specific time period I just think that like and this is kind of a meta topic and not maybe not suitable for a college football podcast but I just find history pretty interesting and uh, specifically there's parts of history that I don't know if we're being told the truth about what happened so I think it'd be kind of interesting to be able to have the ability to go back and kind of see it for yourself no, there you go. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, as I say, if you do want to move forward uh, in your time travel, just do it from like a mountaintop yes. somewhere so you don't uh, show up and all of a sudden you're in uh, 28 the water, feet of water. water or something wars like that. have commenced. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. How, how about you, Matt? Um, I'm going to go actually kind of go similar, except sort of the opposite. I kind of want to have the power to freeze time. Think Ooh. like Zach Morris from Say by the Bell when he could just snap his fingers and freeze time. Because I always feel like there's things I want to do and I'm like, I can't do this in the allotted amount of time. So if I had just that extra spot where I could like slow it down, um, that'd be great. Would it be like the movie Click where eventually it all catches up with you? Or or is no. it just, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Clearly that, with that my kind of superpower, <laughs> nothing goes wrong. Oh, right. I actually never saw that movie, uh, but I believe, uh, was Kate Beckinsale in that movie? With Adam Sandler, do y'all know do, what I'm talking about? I do know, I know the, the movie, but I don't think to. I've ever seen it either. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure she was in it, um, and she's like my celebrity crush of all crushes. And um, I'm just glad we got to talk about her on the podcast today. Now I just need to find a way to. Yep, she was in it. Just checked. Now I just need to find a way to uh, to get uh, to Curtis and Sean to let me use a picture of her for the for the <laughs> podcast webpage. <laughs> Anyhow. That's how we draw, man. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. this, sounds, this seems like a weird picture with college football. I'm definitely going to click on that. Yeah, absolutely. She's a great follow on Instagram, by the way. Um, let's let's get into it, though. Let's, wait, let's... wait, wait, wait. You don't get out of this. What is your superpower? Oh, <laughs> I don't actually know. I felt like I prepped my answer or anything. Um, what would my superpower be? I think I've always wanted to fly, but it kind of doesn't make sense because I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> so, But maybe if I could fly, I wouldn't have to be afraid of heights. Yeah, that's know. how you'd get over it. Yeah, yeah. You should fly at really low levels first and build your way up. Yeah, yeah. So I quickly I quickly Googled Kate Beckinsale to see what college she went to. And of course, I'm entirely let down because she went to Oxford, which I don't even know if they have a football team. So sorry, I tried to make a uh, – tried to bridge the gap there. Yeah. But uh, no, no dice. Yeah, no dice. those Brits, you know, doesn't doesn't work out so well. Can't count on them for anything. Nope, nope. Um all right, let's let's talk a little bit about college football, perhaps. I mean, I think it's only appropriate to spend, you know, five minutes talking about not football things. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the playoff picture. I don't want to talk about who you think is going to be in and out and who deserves to be ranked uh, first and through four or five or six or whatever Ohio right now. State, all five. Right. Because uh, it's, it's really irrelevant. All these teams are going to play each other. Well, not all of them, but the ones that matter will play tough teams or play against each other and it will figure itself out for the most part so we don't have to worry about that so much but i do want to just kind of circle back to uh what we thought preseason and uh see where we've changed our minds jordan let's start with you you went with clemson bama oklahoma and georgia all pretty all, all very much still alive and in the fight is there any of those that you would change after uh the first month of the season 
Not necessarily. I mean, I know I was the only one who didn't have Ohio State in, and they've obviously done extremely well up to this point. So I think that if anything, I may swap. Um, see, it's tough trying to push push one of them out. I mean, Clemson has probably looked somewhat underwhelming compared to what we what we remembered from the end of last season, but I still think that they're in the top four easily. Bama has looked really good. Oklahoma's offense looks really good. Georgia's been a little bit underwhelming. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could make the case Ohio State in over Georgia or Oklahoma or vice versa, one of the two. But, I mean, as far as who I took, it was really chalky, and they're all, in my opinion, still in the hunt or not in the top four right now. So I'm I'm feeling okay just, just riding the favorites here. Yeah, I would say I think – Ohio State has a path to get in because I'm not sure there's going to be any undefeated SEC team. And I know a one-loss team can get in pretty easily, but I don't know if two one-loss teams would get in uh, ahead of undefeated teams. Um, and I could see the, there be – like I could see Bama slipping up a, a couple times. I mean, the, the SEC is is always strong, but it seems like – like LSU is a lot better than it's particularly I, strong at the top this year. Yeah, exactly. And and those are the teams that will beat up on each other. Like I don't I didn't expect LSU to be this good. Um but but anyway, Matt, let's hear yours. You you had Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, of course, and Georgia. I the only shocking thing about your list is that Ohio State was was third. Uh not not the first one you wrote. Uh and it didn't go in alphabetical order, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out why they were uh third on that list. But anyway, um yeah, do you do you still feel good with those four? Anything you you would change I, at this point? I don't. I would actually knock out Georgia for Oklahoma, and pretty much my justification is, I I do think that the top three SEC teams are going to beat each other up too much to the or top four, even if you want to throw Auburn in the mix. Um, I think they're going to beat each other up too much to the fact where you're not going to get a second one in. I yeah. I think it it seems unlikely at this point that we're going to get undefeated versus undefeated in the SEC championship. And you're going to have to make a distinction between a one loss SEC loser and a one loss Oklahoma or one loss Ohio state. I think even if Ohio state slips up, even if Oklahoma slips up, heck if Oregon steamrolls their way, they could get their back in the back into this conversation. I just got the goosebumps. You're welcome. Um, the, the duck but so I, I think there's, I think there's definitely <laughs> a path to um, a discussion between a one loss SEC loser and a one loss other conference champion if they have a strong performance the way out. And I just don't see it in this scenario that I had up there. It was basically me saying that Georgia was going to steamroll through the regular season and lose to Bama, and I. I, I think LSU is just going to do something to someone. I think Florida is going to catch somebody. I think Auburn's not going to lose all three of them. So right. Right. It's there's just a, there's enough. Um, there are enough variables that have seemingly changed that I would probably go with the safer path and just put in four conference champions. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably right. I and that and that was my logic going into to my picks and and, and I went with Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Washington. Now, Washington, of course, with that loss to Cal, I don't know if 
if anyone's going to forgive them because of the circumstances. I think that's just going to be a really bad loss in their resume. So I don't think even with them winning out, unless there's a lot of help, I don't think they're in. So so I would like to change that one. I'd also probably swap out Georgia for 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 Bama. So and and I'd want to include Oklahoma. So I think I'd go more chalk, just like what you guys are kind of saying. I, I think we kind of like those those uh, the the presumed conference champions at this point. But I could see Oklahoma slipping up a game. I mean, the Big Twelve is it's it's a it's a just a crazy crazy conference with lots of scoring and lots of upsets and uh week to week there's there there always seems to be a surprise so i i could see them slipping up to to a, a couple teams i could see texas uh, in the red river shootout giving them problems i could see oklahoma state uh coming up there and and uh and doing something crazy so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see of course but it's fun it, it's it's just good conversation to have and i, I think um the fact that clemson and georgia uh, have been a little underwhelming is interesting, but like for Clemson, I just don't think it's going to matter because they're not playing anyone tough. Of course, the one I, I will say now, Clemson, if whenever they play Virginia, which I'm 90% sure they have them on their schedule, Virginia is still the one team I think that could actually give them fits. They've looked pretty good recently. And if Clemson's going to sleepwalk through the year, that's the type of team that reminds me of um, when Ohio State played Michigan State in 2015. And it's just a team that doesn't really make big mistakes. So yeah, had to throw that in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just checking to see when they play each other and I'm not finding it quickly. So we'll just, we'll just keep moving. I, I want to ask you guys uh, to, well, let's be honest here. Matt wanted to talk about a specific player in our Debbie conversation. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, so what we You'll decided all feel more informed. Yes. Yeah, so what we decided to do this week is, is kind of go a little bit deeper Look to some underclassmen, some some guys with uh, 2021 eligibility or 2022 eligibility. Um, go a little bit deeper, get, get you guys uh, to to start thinking and listening to some of the deeper plays. And so, so Matt, why don't you kind of lead the way here with uh, with your boy here? Um, well, before I jump in, I'll say they don't play Virginia this year, um, which is disappointing. So they'll only play them in the ACC championship. But um, so the player I wanted to discuss is a 2021 prospect, Max Borgie of Washington State. He's honestly, I think he's probably one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. Um, the reason I was kind of enamored with him last year and why I'm continuing to become enamored with him more this year is he had 53 receptions and um, four receiving touchdowns last season. And that's as a running back. And mind you, they also had last year, they had James Williams, who was doing a similar role. So he's a guy that is very capable as a receiver. And so, but he only had 72 rushes last year, although he did convert eight of those into touchdowns. But so the thing that makes him really intriguing is now he's starting to get this um, rushing production. So he's already got 49 carries. So more than half of what he had last season Um, for 376 yards, he's averaging 7.7 yards per carry. And on top of that, he's still getting the receiving work. So he already has 22 receptions for 239 yards. So all of the numbers that we I tend to look for, the um, receiving work, he's going to blow all that out the water. He's going to have the efficiency I look for in the uh, rushing game well over six yards per carry. The only thing that's going to be concerning is, is he ever going to get the full workload of 200 care or 200 carries in a season. I actually don't think he's ever going to get that, but he does present as an interesting guy that could be a Giovanni Bernard type in the NFL where he is the bulk of his production is as a 
make not necessarily a change of pace back, but he becomes viable more as a receiver that they bring him in. So he could even be like a James White. He wasn't a super high pedigree guy. He was only a three-star prospect, but so far he's proven that he's super athletic. And I mean, he seems to be handling the workload well so far this year, taking over as the lead back. So he's a guy that's really interested me a lot. And I think there's a chance that next year he takes another leap and becomes the guy kind of like Chuba Hubbard is this year. Ooh, Chuba. That's a, that's an interesting comp right there. Um, yeah, my, my first introduction to Max Borgie was uh, the, the game last year against Oregon where he just had a ridiculous touchdown reception uh, just basically broke like 16 tackles on his way into the end zone. I was like, that boy can play. Um, question for you though, uh, being part of an air raid offense uh, in general, does that hurt a running back or can that hurt a running back on draft day? I think it's all sort of dependent. If he, if he comes out and tests super athletic, they'll overlook it. If he's, if he has a productive year as a receiver and, and as a rusher, yeah, I mean, they're probably never going to see him as a Leonard Fournette type who you're just going to run through the tackles. But if by next year there's a team that could use a running back that is a three down back who has very real receiving skills, he's the guy that you can plug into a lot of offenses. So I don't necessarily think air raid will hurt him, um, assuming he tests as at, tests as well as I would assume he would at the combine. So he's probably still a, a day two pick or a day two pick. Gosh, I'm struggling today. Um, a day two pick um, at the highest, but he's a, if he is a day two pick, he's a guy that'll shoot up rookie boards really quickly. Cool. That's a good one. Uh, one to one to remember for sure. Uh, it's funny. You mentioned Fournette. I just have to share this. Uh, we have like a, an ongoing text with us, as you both know, telling the listeners here, and um, he, you wrote, Fournette is leaving the team. And I automatically went to to fantasy football. And I was like, Leonard Fournette? And I was like, I didn't. I was like, I don't want to waste any time fact checking this. If Matt tells me it's happening, it's happening. So I just dropped my kicker in every league, picked up Raquel Armstead if he was available. And I was like super excited. I was like, dude, I was, especially a couple of leagues, I've got like some Saquon Barkley injuries, some Tevin Coleman stuff. So I was like, I need someone. This is perfect. And then like two minutes later, I go back to the text and you guys are talking about uh, not Leonard Fournette. And uh, I felt really, really stupid. So that was awesome. Um, but I learned my lesson last year. I, I did a little bit of research when I heard Carlos Hyde was, I was sitting on an airplane and I was like, Oh, Carlos Hyde was traded. I should see what was happening, where he's going. And I should have just immediately gone and, and picked up Chubb because he was available in like 80% of leagues, um, at the time. Anyway, uh, this is, this is going on far too long. You guys should interrupt me and tell me to shut up. Uh, Jordan, if it makes you feel better, you, you only dropped a kicker so you can get him back. Right, right. Yeah. And actually now I just pick up Nugent baby because, uh, New England kickers are, are money, money. Yeah, Jordan. Let's uh, let's hear your 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 deeper your deeper dive, uh, 2021-2022 prospect that you you want to share with us today. Sure. So I went with Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU, sophomore. Um, this is a position group that we've talked about a good bit amongst ourselves. I know for the last year or so, just talking about how talented the wide receiver group is there at LSU, and it hasn't really been until this season where we've seen it unleashed in an offense that is fully functional with a above average quarterback and it's it's been really profitable and and to this point the receiving production has kind of been split evenly three ways between Chase, Terrace Marshall and Justin Jefferson. 
Um, so up to this point, Chase has a 0.26 dominator rating, which is pretty close to the 0.30 uh, threshold that we look for in a full season dominator rating. But what I think is interesting is that as far as I can tell, Terrace Marshall is out for the foreseeable future with an injury. Justin Jefferson is also injured. He's questionable or somewhat iffy to play this week against Utah State. He may play, but all in, I think that Chase is going to see a bump in opportunity in what to this point has been one of the best passing offenses in the country. Um, He was a high four-star, I believe, according to 247 Sports coming out of high school. So he has the recruiting pedigree. He's six foot one, 200 pounds. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's an interesting guy who's kind of popped because of what we've seen at LSU. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens um, next year uh, to see if he can take another step forward and to see if LSU can kind of keep this newfound efficiency and explosive passing offense going. He's a guy that I think that, you know, people could be talking about a lot more by next season. So, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver group, but I think Chase has uh, the potential to kind of separate, especially given what should be an increase in opportunity in the near future. Yes, that's a good one. I have a question for you, though, sure. uh, because, you know, I want to and I can. Um, you say he has a point twenty, a point two six dominator rating this season as a sophomore. Is the dominator rating something that you are hoping to see that point three level um, throughout their college career, or is there some sort of understanding that, yeah, as an underclassman, it's going to be lower. And the fact that it's already this high, um, is, is the reason why you're excited. Um, yeah, I just love, love to hear what, what impact the, uh, the, the grade of the prospect has when it comes to the, the dominator rating. Yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously it comes back to what we've, what we've talked about on this podcast before with regards to breakout age, Um, I don't have his exact birth date in front of me, but since he's a sophomore, if he was able to finish at 0.30 or above this season, um, I would assume that he's either 19 or 20 years old as a true sophomore. So that would be a relatively early breakout age and would be a positive factor. The, the only thing is only four or five games into the season, it's a little bit early to be. Uh, banking on what, what the current dominator rating is finishing as such at the end of the season. So I, I kind of hesitate to use those numbers this early, but I just wanted to give it an idea of, you know, what he's, what he's accounted for so far. Um, and, and, you know, what we're really looking for um, is, is a 0.30 dominator rating for a full season, preferably as a freshman or sophomore Um, but just a breakout season on its own is predictive of future success. Um, and then the younger that that breakout season occurs, the better it is. So for Chase, it would be really, it would be really beneficial for hit that this season if possible. And is breakout season defined in your terms by the dominator rating? Correct. Is it, is there, okay. So it's not like a subjective, oh, he really broke out this year. It's, there is a, there is a statistical formula that we're looking at to determine whether or not a breakout. Yes, correct. Um, So it's essentially uh, the percentage of a team's receiving yards and the percentage of a team's receiving touchdowns added together, divided by two. Um, 
for a player. And then as long as that's 30% or higher, that's what we generally consider to be a breakout. I know that we went in, we went in depth with this um, on an earlier episode this year. I can't remember exactly which yeah. one it was, um, but that would be... It was one of our preseason. Yeah, that ones, would be yeah. a great reference point because I think that we did a pretty good job of, of covering that. But um, yeah, just in general, the, the more of a team's receiving offense that a single wide receiver is accounted, accountable for, the better. And the earlier that that happens in the player's career, the better. And if he broke out this year, I just found his birth date. He's March 20th or March 1st, 2000. So yeah. he would be under 20. So yeah. that would be a really, really, really good breakout if he ended up did. That's yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh, real quick. I haven't actually talked to you guys about this, so I'm, I'm using the, uh, the art of manipulation right here. But one of the things that I want to do this off season after, after, uh, after the season, probably closer to, to uh, in between the NFL draft and fantasy football drafts, I want to sit down and actually do a series, a Debbie series where we go through and, and talk about all the different things you need to know, everything from how to start up a league to what to look for, but then also kind of diving into to looking at breakout ages and dominator ratings and all on all the things, all the elements to 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 Debbie that we discuss. I'd love to do just like an evergreen type podcast where, you know, maybe a series of three or four episodes where we really dive in that we can, you know, reference people to uh, when when they do have questions. So uh, that is something that's in the works. And of course we'll have some articles to go along with that. I know both of you guys have written um, on on Debbie quite a bit and then talk strategy in there as well. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, Jordan and Matt uh, do have their art, Debbie articles, uh, their weekly articles uh, on the web page. Uh, Matt's came out earlier today. Jordan's, I think, is scheduled to come out tomorrow. So do be looking for those. Again, uh, Matt covers the the group of five. Uh, Debbie Rundown, he's got some some interesting kid, kid bits, some tidbits, um, uh, talking a little bit about some some running backs from from Memphis. We got Marquez Stevenson, the wide receiver from Houston. Um, so so you definitely want to check that out. Get some get some information on the again guys that you know you may not hear about every day because they're not going to the to the big schools. And then Jordan's got his um, his breakdowns. I know last week you did a mock draft. Um, what do you have in store this week, Jordan? I obviously haven't read it yet. So uh, what do you have for the for the good people? Yeah, just continuing the uh, stock up, stock down. Um, I talked a little bit about uh, Master Teague from Ohio State, which I'm sure Matt will be anxious to read. Who? Um, he's a guy that I think is kind of carving out a role as the clear number two behind Dobbins um, in that backfield right now. And I think that assume, you know, we all assume Dobbins is going to declare early for the draft. So, you know, as it stands right now, I think he has a leg up in being the RB one for next season. So there's some good stuff about him in there. And uh, yeah, so just some other general notes and, and interesting things that I've found from, from last week. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, has a leg up is is a really interesting expression and i have a, a new puppy and he he does not lift his leg to pee and so i think about that sometimes and when you said he has a leg up that's just all i could think about and i was like i know that's not what the expression is referring to but but perhaps it should um yeah i want to talk to you guys about something i'm going to transition here so i before i have uh while i was in school i was working at a men's clothing clothing store uh where we sold suits and I have to tell you, like wearing a suit is is pretty exciting and pretty fun. And I never got sick of it. I know a lot of people are like ah, suits suck, but they don't. They're a lot of fun. 
And especially if you find a suit that fits you well, it is a real game changer. Now, to find a suit that fit me well when I worked at this uh, location, it cost me like $650. And that was with a discount. But I wanted like a really nice suit that actually fit because there's nothing worse than a suit that is ill-fitting, it's too long, um, it's too baggy, and it just doesn't doesn't fit you well. So um, I was really, I always nerded out on suits because I worked in a suit shop. And it's just a bummer that it has always cost so much. Well, the, our friends over at Indochino believe that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe to look good. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make their own suits, shirts, coats, and so much more. And everything is made to your exact measurements, so you know that it's going to fit you well. And the best part about all of this is it isn't going to cost you that $800 that you are accustomed to needing to spend for a custom-fitting suit. This is all going to be available to you for under $400. It's a pretty simple process. You get to choose your own fabric. Uh, you get to customize uh, things to your own to your own measurements. And within two weeks, you will have a package delivered to you. And you can go down to your uh, nearest showroom, um, or you can do it all on your own online at Indochino.com. So it's super easy to use. And if you use the promo code BLUEWIRE, you're going to get $30 off a purchase of $399 or more. So what you want to do is go to Indochino.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get $30 off your total purchase. Um, this is a great deal. And we're, we're coming up on on holiday season where we're going to be needing to wear suits and get dressed up and go do fun things. And uh, you want to be prepared. So go do that now. It's, it's super easy. It's super affordable and it's super convenient. So uh, go to Indochino.com, use the promo code blue wire. All right, boys, are you ready to uh, look back at last week and see how we did? I know I am. <laughs> I told you sure. last week I just had a real good feeling and uh boys I I'm finally I'm finally in uh, in mid-season form I'm up to 8 and 6 on the year uh, a real nice stretch um University of Washington I got the double on that one with the the 10 and a half and then also under 61 I was sweating it a little bit uh at the end I I was feeling pretty negative I knew Washington had that game in hand but uh, it looked like USC might get the uh, might get the the backdoor cover, but it didn't happen. Uh, my other one, uh, my other two were also in the Pac-12. Uh, we had ASU plus four and a half at Cal, and then uh, Stanford at Oregon State plus four and a half. And and I wanted to go money line. I, I suggested money line um, if you were feeling really bold. That didn't quite work out. Um, but yeah, picking against Stanford certainly has. Uh, Matt, go through. Uh, you had a nice you had a nice week as well. You were four and one. Uh, and your one loss, uh, that one felt like it was over pretty quick with that UCF UConn game. Yeah. And that one was probably the most brutal one because I had that one on basically every parlay ticket that I did last week and it cost me a decent amount of money, <laughs> but it's all right. Um, so I started off with uh, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic over 65 and a half, easy money. Um, Minnesota and Purdue over 55 and a half, uh, it took a little bit longer than I was hoping to get there. I had to sweat for a minute, but got there. Uh, UConn and UCF, it was 20 to nothing for UCF after the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it was 40, I think it was 49 nothing at half. Um, I didn't feel good at that point, but I did make it till the fourth quarter before they actually eclipsed it. So there's that. Uh, Ohio State minus 18 uh, at Nebraska. I believe my, uh, 
entire analysis on that one was effort. I'm going for it. Uh, easy. Uh, and then App State, Coastal Carolina. That line was so wrong, and um, I'm really disappointed both of those teams are on a bye this week. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good one. When you started going through the numbers on that, that was a no-brainer to me. I was like, oh my goodness, how how did how was on everyone talking about this? Uh, that was that was great. Uh, hopefully, you have a couple more of those in store for us this week. Uh, I do not. Oh, oh perfect. Great. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to that segment. Uh, Jordan, let's go through your week. You're, you, dude, you're 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 so close. You're so close to uh, to. Uh, to just go on a roll here. So uh, talk to us a little bit about last week. Yeah, as in typical fashion, I went two and two. Um, UL Lafayette covered the three points against Georgia Southern. Uh, Temple Georgia Tech went under the 50 and a half. Those were both wins. And both my losses, I kind of regret. I mean, obviously I regret it because I was wrong. But uh, Wake Forest failed to cover the seven they were laying at BC. And the total did not go over 68 and a half, as I had predicted. Um I don't know. I mean, I mean, Wake Forest and BC up to that point were two of the most up-tempo teams in the country. Um, I liked what Wake Forest was doing on offense, and it just, you know, it just didn't really go the way that I anticipated. And you know, sometimes that, that sometimes that's the way it goes. So, moving on. Yes, we are. <laughs> no, it's. I, I think I think the one, the only one you really need to feel bad about. Now, it wasn't one of your locks. But picking against Penn State last week and then going out and putting up 59, a 59 point win shutout uh, over Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was pretty awesome. Well, listen, I have said I, multiple times on this podcast that I, I don't I never bet Penn State games in real life um, just because I don't think that I have um, what, what is it, an objective point of view. Um, all the time down to the point where I need to wager actual physical dollars on it. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was way wrong. Um, I obviously I'm, you know, the fan in me is happy that it went that way, but I really thought that Maryland would at least put up some resistance, uh, early. Um, there was so much hype around that game. Um, but they looked an apps, they looked to be an absolute mess and Penn state took advantage. Uh, so, you know, it's it's bad because it's a bad look when you pick the other side and it's a 59 point margin but um i'm not too terribly upset about the uh the outcome maryland rutgers is going to be a real fun one this week huh i'm sure you both uh <laughs> had your dvr set you're you're not going to miss a, a snap of that one Oof. my god what a, what a waste of, i hope i hope no casual like fan is like hey i'm, I'm gonna watch this game see what happens because that's just gonna be brutal um, nothing is worse than last week when there was UMass and Akron and you had to, uh, go on flow sports to get it. So you had to pay money <laughs> to get access to the two worst teams in all of college football to play. Yeah. I will watch Maryland Rutgers all day. <laughs> yeah. There's like a, a, a certain spot in hell waiting for people like to, just for that moment. It's, <laughs> it's pretty terrible. Uh, what about the other games? We had Texas tech, uh, Oklahoma. That was a, Bit of a route, 55-16. Uh, of course, we mentioned uh, University of Washington beating up USC 28-14. Uh, the other big ones was Mississippi State-Auburn and Ohio State-Nebraska. Those were all the games we previewed last week. Uh, Matt, which one of those games um, outside of Ohio State? Uh, oh, you jerk. Because well, you're going to talk about that one anyway. So I want to get I want to get your opinion <laughs> no, on, yeah, on one of the other ones. Um, which one of those – or what, what, what was one of those games that you you uh, watched a lot of that you had some uh, some thoughts about? 
Ooh, I did not watch a lot of these. Um, I did. I, I did uh, tune into Akron or to Akron. Yeah, I was back on Akron. <laughs> you, um, what are you the guy Auburn watching it on slow? State. <laughs> it was me. I'm. How do you turn that one off? Um, Auburn and Mississippi State was an intriguing outcome to me because I didn't expect it to be such a dominating performance. Uh, I, I expected Mississippi State to be a, a decent offense, if nothing else, and hang if Auburn did start scoring, but I don't, I I mean, it was over fast when you're up 21, nothing and you have Auburn's defense, the game's over. So I I mean, it kind of went how I expected Whitlow had a big game, but I was, I'm as someone who just traded for Bo Nix in a Debbie league uh, this past uh, week, pretty happy to see him put up a real performance 335 yards and two touchdowns. Super excited for that. So, I mean, I I think the outcome or the takeaway for me is that while Auburn might not have been legit through their first few weeks, they're starting to kind of come into their own offensively enough that we have to take them seriously. And whether it's Anthony Schwartz, who it seems to be the guy that they just want to get the ball in his hands or having Seth Williams back to full health. Um, I, I just think this team's really solid. And if their defense is as good as it has been so far, if it stays that way throughout the rest of the season, it's it's definitely – they're going to be a team that they're going to catch one of LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. Um, they're going to catch them sleeping when they think that it's an easier matchup. So I, I'm really impressed with Auburn. I think that they're definitely – they deserve to be – kind of in that next tier below the top six and they're probably pretty close to it at this point wow that's that's uh that's that's saying a lot now they travel uh to baton rouge and they catch georgia uh at home so it'll be interesting to see what happens with those uh yeah they've got like on on again off again so they got a top 10 this week in florida then they get arkansas so that's an off week then they're at at lsu then home against Ole miss then home versus Georgia, then a bye week against Samford, and then the the big one against Bama. So yeah, so it's like every other week they've got to they've got to really get ready for it. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, they would you say uh, of of all the teams? Maybe that's too broad of a statement, but um, are they one of the biggest risers for you so far this year? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think part of it was that I. I don't like to trust teams that have a a true freshman quarterback, no matter how good they are, until they start to prove it. So, yeah, I mean, I I would have probably put them about 15th at the beginning of the year because of their defense and a proven running back. But now, if Bo Nix is going to be this Bo Nix, how do you keep them out of the top 10? Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Um, I hate Auburn this year. Uh, They just spoiled my season they tore your heart out nice and early um jordan did you did you get a uh, chance to watch uh any of these games <laughs> or were you too focused i watched on State? uh i watched a good bit of the ohio state nebraska game and i know it's gonna pain matt for me to talk about this one but um i you know no it's fine you're good yeah, I mean, I, there's really not that much to say. I think that what was what was really striking to me, I think that we talked about how before this game started last week's pod, we talked about how Nebraska's defense has kind of been up and down all season. 
Um, and, you know, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to put up complete resistance, but the way that they were getting gashed on the ground, I thought was pretty noticeable. Um, you know, Dobbins, we, we all think pretty highly of him, but I think that the Ohio State offensive line really just put on a masterclass against Nebraska's interior defensive line. Um, and I also think that what's really noticeable is Ohio State's defense, how much better they've gotten from last season to this season. Um, the, their, their front seven and, and particularly their front four really creates a lot of havoc in the, in the opposing um, offense backfield. And that's such a trump card whenever you, you know, in a, in a neutral situation, if you have a defense that can create pressure, um, you know, make the opposing quarterback uncomfortable, create turnovers, et cetera, that's such a boost for your team, regardless of what else is going on. If you can create pressure and force the other quarterback into bad situations, it's just incredibly important. And in Ohio State, you know, with Chase Young, obviously who could, you know, he could end up being the first overall pick in a draft, perhaps. I mean, he's that good. So, um, you know, I thought that that was really noticeable. The interior, how much Ohio State dominated on the interior, which isn't necessarily unexpected based on the type of kids they recruit, the talent, the depth that they always have. But we're really we're really starting to see it come together. And I think that that's kind of been the engine that's been pushing this team that's gathering all this steam that everyone is talking about. I, I think it's really it starts on the interior. And if they can keep that up, it's really going to be difficult for anyone in the Big Ten to come close. I, I agree. Matt, you can you can we'll give you your allotted Ohio State time. Well, I'll actually just kind of expand upon a couple of things Jordan said, because I do think that there's things that were maybe not necessarily expected. Um, Ohio State did struggle last year on the line um, on the offensive line. And then this year they had to replace four starters. So you wouldn't expect them to be kind of dominant thus far, but in um, in line yards. So the amount of yardage that their line gets uh that their offensive line provides uh they rank third in the country so right away your offensive line you're doing that that's giving jk dobbins a little bit of space to work with and that's gonna give him the opportunities to uh succeed there's a helicopter in your room sorry I, (laughs) i get that feedback every once in a while um so and then defensively they're they rank seventh in opposing uh line yards so their defensive line is is creating that um they're stuffing the opposing team and that's actually they rank number one in stuff rates and unsurprisingly when you have a guy like chase young they rank number one in sack rate in the nation so ohio state's defensive line i i said it once without the data to back it up. But I I do think there's a strong case to be made that Ohio state has the best defensive line in the country and their offensive line, which last year was a perceived weakness is turning into a strength for them. So overall, I just think they're winning in the trenches in a way that they didn't last season. And that's kind of why you're seeing this jump from being a very good offensive team like they were last year. But even last year, they had these moments when you were questioning why they weren't scoring more. Yeah. Um, to compared to this year when they just seem to be this runaway freight train. I, I distinctly remember many texts uh, asking that question, why they weren't scoring more. <laughs> but yeah, they seem to have uh, figured a lot of that out. Uh, the games I, I spent the most time on were actually the two you guys didn't talk about. So that works out well. Um, I watched Oklahoma a lot. I had not seen much of them this year, just, you know, 
uh, bits and pieces, um, like condensed games and stuff like that. So I actually sat down to watch them, and I was super impressed uh, by that offense. And and it, Texas Tech was put up the, their points pretty early in the game, and I was like, man, I, I, we were texting about it a little bit. And I was like, man, I thought OU's defense was supposed to be improved. They don't look much better. And then they just shut the door on them. And uh, yeah, impressive outing. And then the other game I, I watched from beginning to end, every single snap was uh, the USA, USA, USC. Uh, USA, <laughs> yeah. USA. I believe that we will win. Uh, USC versus uh, versus Washington, and the 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 scoreboard shows that game to be a lot closer than it actually was. I mean, uh, UW was in control uh, for the most part from beginning to end, and looked really really good in the process. Uh, Jimmy Lake has that defense playing so well. Um, it's exciting to watch. If you if you like just watching uh, a defense shut another team out, uh, they they certainly have the the capabilities of doing so. Um, the uh, the young quarterback whose name is uh, slipping me is it Fick um, for USC? Uh, he Frank. Fink, yeah. He he really he really struggled. He he threw a couple picks just because he was confused and uh, yeah. Uh, that's what that's what Jimmy Light can do. So I still think I still think Washington's going to win the Pac-12. Um, as much as it pains my heart uh, to to not think that's going to happen to to Oregon, but that's kind of where I'm, I'm still I'm still on that Huskies bandwagon uh, as, as far as that goes. I think they're a really really solid team from from top to bottom. Uh, let's get into this this upcoming slate of games. Uh, we've got some some fun ones here to preview. Overall, though, I found this week we're not going to do our locks just yet, but I found this a difficult week. Uh, I was really having to uh, to do a little bit of homework. Uh, not, nothing just popped off the page, and I was like, "Oh, that number looks wrong." So I, I had to do some some digging here. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't have a great feel for this week. I'm curious uh, how you guys feel uh, when we when we go through them. How how confident you guys are? But but the first game we're going to talk about is UCF at Cincinnati on Friday night. So a uh, couple hours after this releases, this will, this game is going to be 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 going out there. The line is three and a half. Uh, Matt, you're going with your hometown here. So I don't actually know if little... that's your hometown. <laughs> yeah, it is. You I live there actually. now, but uh, I don't know if you're from there forever. But yeah, forever. <laughs> um, so yeah, and part of my logic on this is uh, Nippert Stadium actually has um, it's sort of an underrated crowd when it ha- or when it's kind of rocking, and I think this is kind of their Super Bowl this year. This is the game where they can make the jump from good team in the AAC to true contender in it and this is a good spot for them it's a friday night so home teams tend to do a little bit better during the week and it's a blackout so the crowd is kind of getting into this they're gonna be it's gonna be loud i i like catching points in this spot ucf did impress me last week but they were also going up against a really inept offense that while they did hold on to the ball and actually i believe one time a that possession last week against UCF um, UConn was never a threat to score the 50 points they needed whereas Cincinnati isn't going to make the same level of mistakes that UConn did last week so I think Cincinnati actually kind of takes a page out of UConn's book and runs the ball a lot and tries to win the possession game and at a minimum they're going to keep this close I, I just can't see a situation where UCF runs away with this one. Well, the good news is they don't have to run away with it to cover the spread. So <laughs> um, that's, that's what I was going to say. Too. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Seven yeah, points I mean, is a I, big I get everything that Matt said and I agree. I think that 
Um, Cincinnati does have a really good home field advantage when, when they're rolling. It's Friday night, standalone game. So, I mean, it's, you know, it should be a really good atmosphere. I think it's going to be a tough test for Central Florida. But ultimately, I trust Central Florida's offense more than I trust Cincinnati's. It's a kind of simplistic breakdown. But Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, this could just be eye test type thing. But I, I feel like when I've watched him this season, he's been up and down, kind of inconsistent, moments of brilliance, moments of pretty low um, and I, you know, generally Central Florida is going to get their points. Um, so you have to be pretty consistent and be able to score with them. And I'm just not entirely sure Cincinnati can do that. I agree. I don't think that it's going to be a blowout. I do think that it'll be relatively close, but I anticipate Central Florida being able to cover this number, uh, three and a half. Yep. I'm, I'm with you on that one, Jordan, pretty much, uh, pretty much have the same reasoning behind it. Uh, next game, Iowa at Michigan, Michigan favored by three and a half. Um, both of you are on Iowa's side, which um, is lovely. Uh, which one of you wants to, uh, I know, <laughs> I think Matt, you just hate Michigan. Um, I know that's not how you make your picks though, but um, why do you think? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's so like half of the do reason. Do you guys think Iowa, like, Iowa at Michigan, it's it's at the big house. Why, why are you guys thinking Iowa uh, should be should be able to uh, get get within that three and a half? Part of my logic on this one is I just don't the big house as uh, good of a uh, home field advantage as it may be presented actually isn't their crowds pretty calm. Um, that's narrative based based on me knowing people who have gone to a lot of games in situations where their crowd should be getting up for the moment, but. Um, I kind of think these two teams are pretty similar. Neither one of them are great offenses. Um, neither one, And their defenses have probably let them down a little bit more than you would expect. They've beaten teams they should beat and struggled against teams that maybe you thought that they should have been closer. Um, and in this spot, I just think that last week was such a red flag or was such a false flag um, in the favor of Michigan because they're supposed to beat Rutgers. If they, they're supposed to beat them the way they did. Had Michigan not gone out and done that, I think we all then Iowa probably would have been a favorite uh, on the road. I just S and P plus basically has this line as being right on. It has it actually at Michigan at four. I just kind of don't agree with it yet. I still think that there's a little bit of bias toward or built in bias towards uh, Michigan from early on and last week built up their uh, offensive rating better than it should have. So I, I really don't, I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. I think this is going to be very low scoring. And I, I think I was going to be able to run the ball kind of however they want to. All right. Yeah. Also, I trust Nate Stanley more than I trust Shea Patterson. That's now that is fair. Um, Chris Towers, who is one of the guys over at CBS and he does their fantasy baseball and fantasy football stuff. One of his sayings is, this guy could be anyone he could even be. And then he names like some random player, like when trying to assess like a new uh, up and coming free agent or waiver wire pickup or whatever. And I kind of feel like, like Iowa could be anything. They could even be as disappointing as Michigan, you know, like to me, it's not like Iowa has been good. And it's not like Iowa has been something that we're like impressed by. They, they barely beat out Iowa state. They needed that help from that crazy muffed punt. I mean, they've had a really rough, rough go at it and so to me it's like 
the three and a half points is is more than like I feel comfortable to lock it up. Like this is not a lock for me. But I just don't think. I mean, Iowa's just been just as disappointing. They've got just as many issues, and they're on the road. Um, since 2010, uh, Iowa's been bad against the spread as a road underdog with a six thirteen. So you know, just give me Michigan three and a half is not too too many points. Uh, again, not locking it up, but I just feel like Iowa is not not really that great. Uh, let's move on to Auburn. Um, minus three at Florida. Jordan, did you have any logic? <laughs> no, I mean, Iowa, just real quick, Iowa's getting some guys back in the secondary. Um, and, you know, this line opened at six and a half, and it's come all the way down to three and a half. So, I mean, the 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 money has pretty, pretty clearly pushed this number down from what it opened at. So, I mean, a little bit more hesitant. At six and a half, obviously, that opener, I would have liked Iowa more. Um, and I agree with you guys. I think it's probably going to be a low a low-scoring game. So um, that's just kind of why I'm leaning with Iowa, but this is this is one that I would probably just stay away from in real life. But pretty much agree with everything that you that you guys all said. Yeah, just trying to speed us up here because we're at the 50 minute mark and we still we still got our locks, and I want to give us lots of time for our locks. So uh, so Jordan, Auburn at Florida, Auburn favored by three. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to take the points uh, with the Gators at home. I think that. You know, I, I anticipate this game being low scoring, which is a foreshadowing for the last section of our show. Um, and I think that as good as Bo Nix has looked at times, I think that this is going to be an interesting test for him in a hostile environment against an aggressive defense, a talented defense. And this is just the kind of game that I feel like will come down to the end. I don't really see either side getting much margin. And in that type of situation with these two type of teams with good defenses, um, inexperience at quarterback on both sides, I will just take the team getting the points um, at home. It's, it's, it's tough. I think that this will be a good game to watch, um, but a tough one to bet. Matt? I'm kind of similar with this, but I, you guys kind of heard what I had to say about Auburn early on. I think that they're – um, evolving as an offense and getting better each week. Um, but this is a matchup of two very, very good defenses. And I kind of think it's just going to be, it's going to be a low scoring affair and I'm taking Auburn and I think they're probably just going to win by a touchdown. I don't think it's going to be super pretty, but I think they just win it by a touchdown. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on Auburn on, on this one as well. I also think it'll be close. I don't think any, I don't think Auburn's running away with this uh, Michigan state at Ohio state. What a line, 20 points. This used to be such a good rivalry game. You know, like Michigan State uh, was actually faring uh, decently well in, in in not too distant memories. And, and now it's a 20-point spread. Pretty pretty insane. Um, you guys are both on the ho- side of Ohio State. Uh, let's just hear real quick from you, Matt, uh, why, why you think the 20 points isn't scary. And then, Jordan, uh, if you want to uh, give us your thoughts as well, that'd be awesome. As you'll see in my locks, I just don't think Michigan State's going to score a lot of points. They've been pretty pitiful on offense this year, and Ohio State is very, very, very good on defense this year. And when Michigan State played an Ohio State team that was arguably the worst defense in the school's history, they only managed six points. If you're telling me that Ohio State has to score 27 points to cover this spread, sure, I'm taking that every time. Yeah, I agree. I think it's Ohio State's defense that makes the difference here. I, I'm concerned about Michigan State's ability to score. 
I know Michigan State's defense is tough, and it will be a, a somewhat of a challenge for Ohio State, especially along the interior. But like we talked about, they've shown to have such an edge thus far. So it's a really big number. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But if I had to pick a side, it would be laying the points with the Buckeyes. Yeah, to me, the 20 points just seems like an awful lot in a in a quasi-rivalry game. Uh, that it's just it's just too much for me. So I'm leaning Michigan State, but yeah, I don't feel great about it because they're definitely like I think if Ohio State really wants to, they can <laughs> they can they can choose their number uh, just about every week. It feels like so. Um, yeah, I just don't I just don't know if it, if it happens this week. Uh, so so leaning Michigan State, don't feel great about it. Uh, Texas is getting 11 and a half at West West Virginia. Um, it's quite quite a ways to travel there. Uh, West Virginia can be, can be a tricky team, kind of hard to know what to expect with them from time to time. Uh, yet you guys are, are both in agreement on this. Uh, Jordan, why, why are you going with West Virginia? Uh, so it's a Tom Herman as a favorite for one who is, uh, obviously a preferred role as an underdog during his time at Texas. Uh, we saw West Virginia get up and play a really good game against NC state. NC State's obviously fallen a bit by the wayside, so that win looks a little bit worse than it did at the time. But we saw, you know, the home crowd um, and, you know, West Virginia responded at home. And I think that obviously Texas is a much more talented team than NC State. Sam Ellinger can throw the ball. I think West Virginia is vulnerable in their secondary, so I'm a little bit concerned. Um, but I, you know, above above two scores – um, I'm just going to take the points for the team at home and hope that they can just really rally behind that home crowd. And Herman, you know, hopefully plays into the narrative that we've come to know and love of him as a favorite compared to him as an underdog. I can't say I put it a ton of analysis in this one because I wasn't, this was not on my games that I was super locked in on. Um, yeah, it, 11 and a half is a lot of points. I don't necessarily think Texas is playing at the level that I would expect them to be playing at right now. Um, all that I, they're playing fine, but I, I expected them to be fringe um, Oklahoma level. And they're nowhere near that um, on the road, catching a lot of points. I, I'll, I'll just take the home home dog. Yeah. I I'm with you guys uh, this week. Uh, part of that is I, I think, you know, with Texas's secondary being uh, banged up as it is, I, I think West Virginia might be able to score enough to keep it, Again, not close, but close enough that they're able to uh, to cover. Because you know, uh, talking eleven and a half points, that's not that's not nothing. So uh, we're we're in agreement on that one. I think that's the only one that we've got a sweep on this week. Uh, so so Texas is definitely going to win by twenty three points. Uh, I think that's pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't think we do well on sweeps. <laughs> uh, typically, typically that's a that's a red flag. Uh, so in my locks, I'm actually going to pick Texas in a minute here. <laughs> Uh, before we do our locks, uh, I just want to take uh, a second to tell you about a really awesome sponsor that we have. Um, if you're trying to sell online, it can be a, a real pain in the ass. It can be time-consuming, expensive. There's so many different carriers to choose from. It, it's hard to know if you're making the best choice. Uh, so instead of just having like uh, overload and paralysis that comes with that, just go to ShipStation.com. They're the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. They make it really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. It works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you need to go to ShipStation if you have 
needs of shipping things. Um, and if you do so, uh, listeners can try our free 60-day trial when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter the pl- offer code BLUE, um, and and you can make ship happen. It's that simple. Uh, so so check that out if you're if you're in the need to uh, to send stuff off. That is the that is the way to do it. All right, Matt, you had a nice week last week. You've got you've got a lot of plays uh, in your locks. So 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 get us started here. I'm 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 excited to hear where you're going. It's less than last week. Last week I was at five. Um, no, so we're going to start off. And you just kept adding them as, as you went. So I'm, I'm anticipating you to add a couple more throughout the, throughout the show. I think we're okay this week. I'm going to start with the one I'm least confident in actually to start this off. And that's the Nebraska team total over 28 and a half. Um, I am not a fan of this Northwestern team. I, uh, I think they're one of the worst power five teams in the country. And I think last week was a, a bit of a red herring with them. I think that Wisconsin came in in a letdown spot, played kind of poorly, and it made people think that Nebraska, or Northwestern's defense was bad. Um, Nebraska kind of needs to rally the troops, and I think last week probably wasn't a lot of fun to be in the um, in the the film sessions uh, if you were a guy if you were Adrian Martinez, um, but. Taking away from ignoring last week, they've scored 30 points or more in four out of the five games. They rank 45th in yards per play and 33rd in offensive S&P plus Nebraska is a really good offensive team and Northwestern just isn't good. So don't let last week kind of throw you off uh, the scent of Northwestern. They're very bad this year and 28 and a half points. I'm fine thinking I'm going to get more than four touchdowns out of this Nebraska team. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the same game because I have I have a I have a lock in this one, and that's Nebraska uh, minus seven and a half, and for a lot of the same reasons that you that you mentioned, uh, SP Plus has uh, Nebraska favorite to win by a little over ten, um, not quite ten and a half, but uh, given that's an extra three points to play with, I'm I'm, I'm happy to take them. Uh, the Wildcats uh, not only uh, is their defense not been great, they are. They rank just 126 with 293 uh, total yards per game uh, while averaging just 141 passing yards per game, which is a, a 121st in the country. Uh, they're only averaging 15 and a half points per game. Uh, that's not very good. And I know Pat's, uh, Pat Fitzgerald says he doesn't care with his little, that stupid rant he went on where his email address was hashtag. I don't care. Uh, makes no sense whatsoever. If you're going to be funny, at least be funny. Um, I hate Pat Fitzgerald, but that's, that's, I don't really. I just I hate when coaches do that kind of stuff. Uh, you can yell at people on Twitter if you want to, but uh, there's a reason people are frustrated. Northwestern is a major disappointment. Um, I think ne- Nebraska wins handily. So seven and a half points, um, lock it up. Jordan, give us one of yours, bud. Yeah, so I'll roll right into the Florida-Auburn total that I alluded to earlier. I'm going under 47 and a half points. Um, it's a relatively low number, but like I kind of mentioned before, I think it's a relatively – Easy situation to envision Bo Nix potentially struggling on the road against a good, aggressive defense in a tough environment. And the same can be said about Kyle Trask on the other side against um, an equally or better Auburn defense. Um, You know, if both teams are forced to run, 
it's bad news because both Florida and Auburn's defense rank in the top 25 in opposing yards per carry. So I could see both sides struggling to run the ball. Um, Florida's only running 62 plays per game. That's 125th fewest in the country. And four of the last five meetings between these two teams have gone below a total of 44. So for all those reasons, I think uh, going under 47 and a half is a pretty good, uh, pretty good bet. I mean, like you said, it's a low number, but it doesn't mean it's, doesn't mean that's not a, a good bet. So um, I like that one. Jordan, why don't you uh, roll into roll into another one for us? Sure. I'm going to lay nine and a half points with UAB against Rice. Um, this is uh, an S- SP plus play for me. Um, it makes the number UAB minus 17. So we're getting over a touchdown um, in value based on that specific metric. Um, UAB has won the last two meetings between these two teams by a combined score of 94 to 21. So they've gotten margin in the last two meetings. And, um, this is kind of a short sample, but I thought it was pretty interesting since coming back to FBS, uh, UAB has been one of the best teams in the country against the spread. They're 67% overall, 85% at home, 80% as a home favorite and 77% against the spread against conference opponents. Again, this is a relatively short sample, so it, it's probably a little bit noisy, but over the last two, uh, two and a quarter seasons, they've been really good against the number um, under 10 points here. I think UAB, who has a really good run defense, Rice is pretty intent on running the ball under their new head coach, so I think it's kind of a recipe for disaster. So I'm going to lay the points here with UAB. Oh, I like it. I like that one. That's that's that convinced me. That's that's fun. I'm looking. I didn't have a lot of ones I felt right on. So uh, my my bookie um, slate is is a little light so far. I've got some NFL in there, but but not much college yet. So uh, I'm looking to you guys. So I, I like that one a lot. That one's going in there. Um, Matt, let's uh, let's hear from you again. And I'll go from one that was my least confident one into the one that I'm probably most confident in, and that's Oklahoma minus 19 and a half in the first half. Kansas really isn't that good, and I'm not actually sure um, why this line, I, why the to- or why the line in this game isn't higher. I I kind of see Oklahoma running away with this pretty handily in the first half. Their average lead on the season is 22 and a half points at, at halftime. If you remove that Houston game, which kind of, if you look back on it, looks a little bit wonky compared to the rest of the year. It's up to 26.3 per game. They rank number one in S&P Plus, whereas Kansas is 67th in defensive S&P Plus, um, whereas a Texas Tech team who um, Oklahoma played last week uh, ranked 36th in de- defensive S&P Plus, and they were losing to Oklahoma by 24. Um, Oklahoma averages 10.2 yards per play on offense, and <laughs> That's so crazy. It's in, they're, they're easily number one in that metric by like two yards. And Kansas last week was losing to TCU by 38 points at halftime. I think Oklahoma would like to get their starters out by halftime because the Red River matchup, I believe, is last is next week. So I think Oklahoma's goal is to run this score up as high as possible at halftime. So none of their starters have to play in the second half. Wow. I I don't know if I think that's the first the first uh, time we've had a first half. uh, Welcome. Uh, bet come in so so that's that's i fun. love the, i love and, that uh, logic by the way seconded all the way yeah yeah that, that's a fun one um i'm going to uh to to talk a little bit about uh the the game we've already talked about and that's ucf at cincy i actually have ucf as as one of my locks for the week um 
I just they're they're ranked uh, number six in the nation in scoring offense, um, scoring forty nine points a game. Uh, Cincinnati can can struggle against really good offenses. We saw what uh, took place. I know UCF is no Ohio State, but that forty two to nothing uh, was was uh, maybe not indicative of, of what can go wrong for Cincinnati, but I definitely think it shows that that uh, good offenses can can get up on them. So again, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I think UCF wins by 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 more than three and a half. I think they win by a touchdown. So uh, UCF uh, minus three and a half at Cincinnati is a lock for me. Uh, Matt, let's go back to another one of your uh, your your unusual takes for the week. Oh, you want my unusual? Yeah, because uh, we don't we don't have these kinds of of takes very often, and so it's it's kind of fun. So I, I said before that Michigan State I don't think is going to score a lot of points. I'm going to go as far as saying they're not even going to crack two touchdowns in this game, um, and I feel pretty confident in that. Um, so the line on this game is 14.5 points. I'm taking the team total under for Michigan State. Um, Ohio State's only allowed 14 points one time this year, and that was against Florida Atlantic in the first game where I believe we all kind of saw them take their foot off the gas. Um They've had four straight games where they've allowed less than 11 points, and I would say against better offenses than Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State's missing several pieces on their offensive line. I've even heard that they're starting a tr- a freshman defensive tackle at guard. That sounds like a lot Yikes. of fun for the Yikes. best stuff rate team in the country. Yeah. Michigan State that will not. Like a problem. Michigan State's not going to be able to run the ball, and as I kind of mentioned before, as I mentioned before. The worst Ohio State defense in school history last year only allowed six points to basically the same team in East Lansing last season. This is a really big recruiting weekend for Ohio State, and I know Ryan Day is going to want to put on a uh, put on a show against the first real test of their schedule. So I, I think Ohio State's going to go out there and look to win this game something ridiculous, like 42 to nothing. <laughs> oh, as a... Oh, that's just. I'm so sorry. Sad. I know you're a Michigan State oh. fan. I'm sorry. Well, I think know, it's going to be I, bad. I, I like them in college basketball. I mean, obviously, college basketball. I should just say I like them in basketball. I don't really care too much for their football. Um, I just don't enjoy their style of play all that much. Uh, so, so it's just more dis- disappointing because it used to be a fun, you know, who's going to win this game, and now it's how much are they going to lose by? Uh, Jordan, let's hear. Let's hear another one for you. I've only got one left, so I know you still got two, and 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 Matt still has another one. So uh, skip me this round, and I'll and I'll go next round. So sure, uh, I'm gonna lay the points with Washington at Stanford. Initially, whenever we wrote up our show doc, this number was at 14 and a half, which obviously I liked a lot more than the current number, which is 16 and a half. Um, but under 17, I think I'm still willing to lay the points here. Um, you know, Stanford did get that win last week on the road at Oregon State. But, you know, obviously Washington is a step up in class from Oregon State. Stanford is at home. It's a huge number. I think it's the biggest underdog they've been in perhaps this decade uh, under Coach Shaw. So, I mean, it's a it's a unique situation. Um, so, I mean, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest factors in this game is uh, a Stanford secondary that's actually kind of struggled. Um, they've allowed nine point four yards per attempt so far this season. Uh, we know how strong Jacob Eason's arm is. I think there's a good possibility that we see some downfield shots connect chunk plays, which would help out my um, large uh, point spread here. And on the flip side, um, 
I've read that Davis Mills is probably going to start for Stanford. I think KJ Costello is still out. I think that that's probably a downgrade and Washington's defense, uh, especially their secondary, which, which we talked about briefly in this episode, they've only allowed 5.8 yards per attempt so far this season. So much better secondary against the pass. Um, and I think that that could be to Stanford's detriment. So uh, this is, you know, Washington has been a bit fluky, uh, especially on the road. We saw them lose to Cal earlier. Um, but this is a play against Stanford and on a Washington team that I think is trending upwards, especially on offense with um, a passing game, I think, that is improving and can take advantage of a Stanford secondary here. Uh, there is actually somewhere where it is listed at 14 and a half still right give now. Give me that. So. I will give you 14 and <laughs> a half. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, and, and I think Hunter Bryant. William Hill still has it there. I so. think Hunter Bryant goes off this week against that Stanford secondary. Uh, I th- also think the running backs are going to have a nice day. I, I liked that, uh, that pick as well. I just, I've been picking too many uh, Washington games this year. So I, I just set this one out, but I, I am in, in, in agreement with you. I do have, uh, as I am want, uh, I do have a pac 12 game in my, in my, slate this week uh cal at oregon i'm going under 46 and a half huh <laughs> uh the highest uh the high i don't feel again i said i don't have a lot of uh i don't feel 100 percent great on all of these picks but i needed to have a few uh the one i felt felt best on about was the nebraska northwestern game but um cal has only had one game where the the total has been um above this number and that was 48 uh, they have not scored more than 28 points themselves they're, they're averaging 23 points and that's been against just mad defenses oregon actually has a really good defense their last three outings they've given up six three and six points um they're just they're just dominant and i don't think cal has um the quality i mean they're 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 being forced to start a backup quarterback monster um I just don't think they're going to score. My only hesitation um, is that I think Oregon could push their side of the number up um, into the 30s, which would mean Cal has to score in double digits, which is uh, is dicey. Uh, but I think I think Oregon ends up winning, you know, 28 or 31 to 13, and uh, and we get this game under that 46 and a half. So uh, give me the under in this one, and I'm a little nervous, but only because uh, if Oregon decides they want to keep 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 their uh, the the pedal to the metal it could get out of hand but um i don't anticipate that happens they 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 like to bring in their backup so i'm gonna rely on that uh matt let's go to you with your last pick for the week so my last pick in of the week is arizona colorado over 62 and a half um i'm not sure whether or not khalil tate's playing it's still i'm seeing him questionable but even without him um Real, i'm fine with this number just quick. because chenault um and i forget who else someone else on the offense for for Colorado are, are both questionable at this moment. If Tate okay. is out, if Chenault is out, um, if all those, you know, offensive players are out, are you going to pivot away from this game or would you still, would you still be playing it? I still kind of like it. Uh, okay. Colorado is a team that drags teams into the over. They've been over on three games this year. So they're three and one on the overs and their only loss uh, or their only under on the year was actually against air force. In those three games that they went over on, they went wet or they went over 62 and a half in each one of those games. SP Plus has this game uh, over 75 points. Um, it's a pretty big margin right there that I'm feeling okay about the fact that these teams are just, they're not going to try and win this game in the 20s. They would, they both want to win this game in the 30s. So 
I, I'm probably a little less hesitant to throw it on. Um, it's not like if I'm building a parlay ticket, it's not what I'm going to put on a lot of or on a one. I'm going to kind of only have it as a single play because um, I don't feel super confident, but I still really like this and the spot is right um, to take it because Colorado just is an over team. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. Um, I I was looking at this game. I, that the only reason I knew that all these players were questionable is because I was looking into it, and uh, I was wanting to to just uh, to, to to pick Colorado, but um, felt hesitant about it. But I like I like the overplay. I think that's solid. Uh, Jordan, what's your what's your next one for us? Yeah, so I'll close it out um, with the under sixty four and a half in Memphis at Louisiana Monroe. Um, SP plus makes this a total of 56. So it's pretty generous in our favor. Um, and this is really a play on a Memphis team that is kind of different, I think, than what we remember them from last year. Uh, Memphis actually ranks sixth in the country in points per drive allowed. So their defense has been really efficient. Um, but they haven't been quite as efficient on offense. They rank 53rd in the country. Um, and, and they also run a relatively low number of plays. They rank 105th in the country in plays per game run. So it's a little bit of a less efficient, slower-paced Memphis team. It's not quite the Daryl Henderson-type offense that we remember. Um, so, I mean, I know that Monroe can score. They, they ran with Florida State, pretty much should have won that game on the road. Um, and the only other thing that kind of concerns me is this game is played in, in Louisiana, in Monroe, Louisiana. Um, and I believe it's a day, it might be like a 3.30 kick. The temperature is supposed to be in the 90s, I believe. And I know that there's kind of a theory about playing overs in the heat, playing on the defense, getting tired. I'm not quite sure. I fully buy into that. I see the logic, but I'm still willing to go under this number because I think that Memphis's defense is really good. And, um, you know, they just run at a slower pace than they did last year. So I'll go under 64 and a half. And I will actually jump in on this a little bit because I, I do like this spot because I think Memphis is going to lean on the run specifically in this game because UL Monroe is so terrible against the run. They average, I believe they allow like 250 yards per game uh, against their uh, yards rushing per game allowed. This is a big one. Um, there There isn't a DraftKings slate that has Mem- this game on it, unfortunately, but Gainwell is a really big guy if you're in college fantasy DFS or college football fantasy cool that, that that those are some good ones uh we will have all of our locks um in the show doc uh or in the show notes sorry so so head over to the webpage if you uh, want to recap or you can just listen again uh but we've got we've got uh quite a few we've got the michigan state uh team under oklahoma uh minus 19 and a half first half arizona colorado over 62 and a half and then nebraska team total over 28 and a half those are mats um, I was going with UCF minus three and a half, the under in Cal and Oregon, Nebraska minus seven and a half. And then Jordan uh, is doing the under in Memphis versus uh, Monroe. We've got Washington minus 14 and a half. We're doing the under in Florida, Auburn and UAB minus nine and a half versus Rice. So there you have it. Uh, picks that are all bound to pan out beautifully. Uh, I feel great about it. You can probably hear my dogs running crazy above me. Uh, it feels like the house is about to cave in on me. Uh, so it probably, it probably means uh, it's time to go. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. 
We'll be back with you next week, of course, to recap the games. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our, our, our thoughts on the Heisman race and jump into some some discussion about the, the quarterbacks um, for Debbie and, of course, give you our locks and previews and all that good stuff. So uh, enjoy your games. Uh, we're looking forward to next week. We're looking forward to this week. We're looking forward to all of it. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.